Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Bruce welcomes California Assemblywoman Cotty Petrie Norris, who addresses the $10 billion EDD fraud disaster and scandal. Then Bruce welcomes Jenna Shadalong, talking about international travel in times during the pandemic. The Bruce Cook Conversation with your host, Bruce Cook. Trending now, here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hode. Good evening, radio family. It's Bruce Cook tonight. It's the conversation, and we've got a great program lined up tonight. I hope you will stay with me through this whole hour. We have a lot to talk about. If you are one of 40 million Californians that are outraged, disappointed, perhaps angry, over the scandal at our Employment Development Department in the mishandling of some ten estimated $10 billion in fraudulent claims of unemployment during pandemic, then you are part of a very large majority of California voters and citizens who want answers. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, a woman who's going to provide some of those answers, who's working for some of those answers, who's trying to correct the problem in the assembly in our state capital of Sacramento is local AD District 74 Assemblywoman Cotty Petrie Norris. She is generously taking a half hour out of her Valentine's night tonight to be on air live with us to talk about the situation and what's going on. About a week ago, a little bit more than a week ago, Petrie Norris joined Todd Spitzer, District Attorney Orange County, in a major press conference in Sacramento to discuss the details, the horrific details of what happened and how things are going to change. She joins us now. Ms. Petri Norris, are you there? Hello, Bruce. Yes, I am. It's a pleasure to be here with you tonight. And uh, yes, happy Valentine's Day. Yes, and to you too. May I call you Cotty on the air? Of course you may, of course. Thank you. It's great to have you on also. Um, I really am admirer of your work and certainly welcome you on the show tonight. Let's start with the hard question. How could this happen? How could our Employment Development Department, in junction with the Bank of America, do this? Well, Bruce, like you, and uh, as you said, like millions of Californians, I'm, I'm outraged that criminals have stolen $10 billion of our money that it's in as a taxpayer and as a legislator, I am I'm outraged and I'm horrified. Uh, as you as you outlined, uh, these fraudsters and criminals have stolen uh, ten billion up up to twenty seven billion dollars from California taxpayers. It's been massive and organized fraud, and the state really needs to respond with. Um, a, a response that's commensurately massive and organized. A, a don't mess with California response. And that's going to demand a dedicated effort, clear ownership, and funding to support it. So what is the next step? What what are you doing in the Assembly to take that next step? Well, as uh, as you, you mentioned, uh, last week or I think the week before, I held a press conference with District Attorney Spitzer. Um, and I'm very grateful for his and his team's hard work on this issue and for their determination and dedication to bring these EDD fraudsters to justice and to recover stolen taxpayer dollars. And um, as I said at that, that press conference, my commitment to California taxpayers is that I will use the oversight authority of my committee. I chair the Assembly's Accountability Committee to bring all relevant stakeholders to the table, including the Attorney General's Office, local district attorneys, the Governor's Office, and fellow legislators, so that we can beef up statewide EDD fraud prosecutions, appropriately resource these investigations, and successfully bring these criminals to justice. Um, I, I uh, just last week, along with a number of my colleagues, um, sent a budget request letter uh, requesting a 
an allocation of $65 million um, in order to provide the funding for a statewide task force to to, uh, to go after this and to, to collect our money. Cotty, what do you think the chances are of collecting any of the money? Isn't it next to impossible? Am I being too negative? Well, the, uh, the, the reality is the longer we wait, the harder it is going to be to get this money back. But, uh, for example, here in Orange County, the work that uh, D.A. Spitzer and his team have done, in just three cases alone, they were able to recover $500,000 in I, three cases. Yeah, and I, so that was one of the reasons that, uh, that our district attorney is trying to raise the alarm to say that his team is able to do this work but they do not have the necessary resources. They don't have enough folks on the ground to do this. So they need more help and more support from the state, they and district attorneys across the state, um, so that we actually can mount these investigations and recover some of these dollars. I read I read what you just said in, in the press release about yeah. the, the situations in Orange County in particular. Um, I was horrified by the fact the example that was written in the press release states that one of the cases that was unearthed or revealed was a collection of unemployment by a 99-year-old woman who applied and was given employment insurance because she claimed that she'd lost her job as a housekeeper. 99-year-old woman. Wouldn't that... Now, I'm going to put you on the spot, but wouldn't someone in the EDD have flagged the age of this person? Or do you think that the person lied on the application as a part of the fraud that was perpetrated by the company that, that represented this? Um, so I, I'm not familiar with that specific I, well, case, but I will tell you that the cases that uh, the, the cases range from international players and organized crime rings to countless individual fraud cases like the one that uh, that you described. Right, and right. some of these are just straight-up fraudulent applications. People lied. Some of these have been identity theft. Some of this has been uh, debit card fraud. And some of them have even been legitimate applications where, uh, you know, people ha- have received benefits um, but actually not been qualified to receive them. So, um, everyone from the FBI, the state, and local law enforcement have been working on this huge, huge variety of cases. And um, as I mentioned, the resources to, to effectively tackle this will be immense. You just, um, but you, you, to your to your point, the, the bottom line is that um, to say that EDD did not have uh, established best practices in their uh, fraud prevention approach is is an incredible understatement. Um, and uh, there were n- numerous, just inexcusable failings by the, by the department um, that led to much of this. What about the hierarchy of the department from the top down? Wouldn't one of the managers at a certain level have realized this along the way before it became so blatant? How could it have been that every level, I mean, there must, I don't know how the EDD is structured, but I assume, like any business, even in government, there are levels of responsibility. How could it have missed all of them? You know what? My frustration is Mm -hmm. we live in this computer world of fraud. So on one hand, I'm horrified. On the other hand, I'm not really surprised. There is so much computer fraud on everything. This is just an example that is so far out that I hope it's a wake-up call. Let me let me stop yapping and ask you a question based on what you just said mm-hmm. about, about not having the workforce, the manpower, and needing the budget to go out and conquer this. I also read that Todd Spitzer said he is he is directing a hun- nearly a hundred percent of his task force in Orange County that is assigned to broad levels of fraud just to this. He has no manpower to handle any other thing at the moment. What kind of a problem does that create, Cotty? Well, and that's why that's why DA Spitzer raised the alarm that he and DAs across the state need need additional support and additional resources. And that's why why I and my colleagues are working really hard to make sure that we uh, that we can can get them that support and get them those boots on the ground. 
What do you say when constituents in your district call you and say, what the heck is going on? When they hear the news reports, it started actually at the end of last year when this started to come out in, in the beginning of this year. And it was all over media that prison inmates like convicted murderer Scott Peterson and San Quentin was getting uh, benefits and whatnot. What do your constituents say? How do you handle that? They're, they are, they're furious and they're horrified. So, and, and the reality is, at the same time that the department has allowed criminals and fraudsters to steal billions of dollars from California taxpayers, I'm also hearing every day from you know, thousands of desperate Californians who are in absolutely dire straits and haven't legitimate claimants who haven't been able to get their benefits and they're not sure how they're going to pay their bills, make their rent, and feed their kids. And um, the, the fact that this department has both failed millions of Californians and squandered billions of dollars is, is completely maddening. And uh, so we're working really hard to, to solve the immediate problem, and we've also got to make sure that uh, the failings of this department are corrected in the long term so that even once this is no longer front page news, the fixes that need to get made are going to get made so that this is the last time Californians have to endure a fiasco like this. To date, have there been any firings or house cleaning? Uh, so, yes, the uh, the director of the department uh, tendered her resignation in or announced her quote unquote retirement um, in October following a series of uh, legislative oversight hearings that uh, exposed the uh, the degree of the failures and I think the degree to which it was really a failure of leadership. What was um, her so explanation? What was her explanation? Did she have one? Uh, she had absolutely, it was com completely unsatisfactory. Um, my interactions with her were completely unsatisfactory. And uh, so I'm grateful that there is new leadership at the department. I think we will see important changes. Um, but, but like you and like many of my constituents, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated by the slow pace of progress and by these seemingly never-ending revelations of the department's failures. Um, and bottom line is that ADD right now just needs to focus on solutions and I'm starting to provide great service to California. Well, that is certainly the, the right approach. I, I know you would understand this, but beyond the specific problem with EDD, taxpayers, including myself, think, you know, that's a heck of a lot of money to waste, and and a little bit of it comes out of my pocket, and a little bit comes out of my neighbor's pocket. And don't you think that it erodes trust in government, regardless of partisanship, regardless of who's in the office. We have so much mistrust. This just makes things so much worse. Bruce, I think you hit the nail on the head. And um, I just said that to my husband earlier today, that in almost his exact words, that this to me is not just about ensuring that our agencies, our state agencies are functioning efficiently and effectively. I, when our institutions are failing this badly, people do lose faith in government. And I think we're at a moment in our nation's history where there is a lot of mistrust. And uh, when uh, when this is what our government is doing and how we're delivering and how we're failing to deliver, I think that it, uh, it really does erode people's trust. And so that's why, to me, this getting the basics right, ensuring that we are Delivering good service is absolutely, absolutely critical right now. Would it be outrageous to suggest that the Assembly in Sacramento might come up with some kind of a plan to reimburse all the taxpayers in California a few dollars each as a gesture of positive goodwill and reimbursement for this huge mistake, that government has to be accountable just like each of us has to be accountable for our own budget. Is that too outrageous to suggest? 
well, or okay, too I impossible to implement. <laughs> too impossible to implement. I think in my that particular suggestion might be impossible to implement. But I 100% agree with you that uh, we need to ensure accountability. And uh, I, I might have, have have said this to you before. I've I'm now um, just beginning my second term in office, and in my first term, I was I have been very struck by the fact that we write a lot of laws. We give a bunch of pre- a lot of press conferences. In my view, there is not enough attention spent on uh, on accountability, on oversight, and on implementation. We need to spend more time looking back and saying, "Hey, did that get implemented? Is the money going where it was supposed to? And most importantly, is is that investment having the return we expected? Is the program working? Right, Does that's probably the most important Does thing. If it's not. If it's not, we, we got to do something else. And so I do think um, while the, the EDD is certainly the, the starkest example of the need for better oversight and accountability, I do think that that is uh, a more general, a more general point and a more general need as well. On that, Assemblywoman, we got to take our first break. When we come back, I'm going to hit you with some questions about Bank of America's involvement in all this. And then I want to segue into what you just brought up about all the people that really need help right now and how we can deliver that kind of help, how our government can do that. So thank you so much uh, for being with me tonight. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Ducks Radio AM 830 KLAA. At the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, the Hogue Epilepsy Program is accredited by the National Association of Epilepsy Centers as a Level 4 Epilepsy Center. This means that our experts provide the highest level care for patients with complex epilepsy. Our patient-centered approach to epilepsy treatment combined with state-of-the-art technology, including robotics and laser ablation, ensure the best possible outcomes for our patients. To learn more or for an evaluation, call 949-966-0243 or visit hogue.org forward slash epilepsy care. This President's Day at eBay, we want to prove like new is better than brand new. So we're not only giving up to 50% off certified refurbished, but we're adding an extra 20% off coupon too. Because while brand new is nice, it's also twice the price. And if you don't like, love our like new products, they all come with an industry-leading two-year warranty. So this President's Day, say goodbye to brand new and find certified amazing deals at eBay. Where good is new, just got better. If you have an unpaid debt to the IRS that you can't pay, please hear this special notice. Specially approved IRS relief programs designed to aid delinquent taxpayers are now in effect that can significantly improve your financial situation. Depending on your circumstances, you may qualify to have your tax problem resolved in your favor and may even have your back taxes reduced by thousands or eliminated entirely. A relief hotline has been established by Community Tax for you to call and see if you qualify at 800-281-0578. If you owe the IRS back taxes that you can't afford to pay, don't let the IRS trick you into thinking you have no way out. Our highly accredited tax professionals will let you know what you qualify for and how much you can save. We may be able to stop all liens, garnishments, levies, and save you thousands. Call and see if you qualify for this taxpayer relief at 800-281-0578. 800-281-0578. That's 800-281-0578. Okay, set it down over there and then go to Bay 5. Indeed knows unexpected growth can stretch your business thin. Like Amir's warehouse. To expand capacity, he needs to get started hiring right, right away. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. And the moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get a $75 credit for your first sponsored job post. Terms and conditions apply. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Ducks Radio, AMA 30, KLAA. And we're back. I'm Bruce Cook. It's the conversation live tonight on AM 830 Angels and Ducks Radio. Serving L.A., Orange County, Inland Empire. Cotty Petri-Norris, Assemblywoman, 74th District, on air tonight live. We're talking about EDD scandal, unemployment problems, money. Before we went to commercial break, I asked Cotty to think about Bank of America's involvement on this. Ladies and gentlemen, for those that don't know... The state of California has signed a multi-year contract, I think it goes back some 10 years with Bank of America, to handle all of the EDD payments to people in need receiving and hopefully deserving unemployment insurance assistance. Cotty, okay, so they messed up at the EDD. How then did it also happen at Bank of America, the nation's largest bank, dealing with so many computers and so many experts it's unfathomable. Well, uh, a couple. There's been a couple of different types of of fraud that uh, that have been perpetrated, and um, some of the issues with the Bank of America debit cards have been your your kind of run of the mill credit card fraud, where someone steals this the swipe card information and uh, and then steals the effectively steals that account. And so that is what Bank of America has been grappling with separate to some of the issues that that CDD has been responsible for. You so, know, I've, I've got uh, it. The, the good news is that, that you know, California taxpayers are, are certainly not on the hook for the the failings of Bank of America's fraud prevention. Well, that, that is good news. But I have to say this. <laughs> I have to say this about Bank of America. If you are not an account holder with Bank of America, if someone that is an account holder with Bank of America writes you a check and you walk into a branch, any branch, and you are not an account holder, regardless of how much identification you have, they will not cash that check. They are so, so careful about fraud and identity theft with a you know a $10 check from party A to party B. It's just unbelievable that this would happen. It, it is unbelievable, and I will I will say uh, as, as part of the, the package of legislation that I have introduced, along with uh, with a EDD working group um, to address these issues. One of the things that we are looking to implement is a direct deposit option, so that we can take Bank of America out of the equation altogether, and so. For, for folks that, that want to receive their benefits just via direct deposit and not have to deal with Bank of America debit card, we can make that happen, and we can also mitigate uh, some of the, the credit card fraud risks that, Which sounds, uh, that we've seen sounds like, a, sounds like a great idea, but I bet a lot of our recipients don't have a, a legitimate bank account. Is that What is the research on that? Um, I don't know the I don't know those exact numbers, but I will say certainly in the uh, with with the enormous claims we've seen in the the pandemic era, um, it's a, a lot of the the folks that are are receiving unemployment or filing for unemployment insurance benefits are are certainly folks that that do have that do have that bank account. Exact, yeah, yeah, right. Well, you mentioned that B of A is not a taxpayer's problem in terms of responsibility for whatever happened and whatever financial loss there is. What? Who is responsible? How will Bank of America make good? Do you know? So if Bank of America, if fraudsters have taken Bank of America using uh, sort of credit card, just credit card theft and uh, swipe card theft, then Bank of America is is responsible for that, and they have said they have not said a specific number. They have said that they are uh, looking at losses of hundreds of millions of dollars as a result of that those issues. Really horrible, totally horrible. All right, let's yeah. switch gears. Is, I think it 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 is. I mean, the bottom line is that it it is horrible, and while it's certainly it's, it's sadly 
perhaps not surprising, um, I think that truly despicable that in the midst of this moment of unprecedented crisis with millions of Californians, our friends, our neighbors, our, you know, our, our community in such desperate, desperate straits, there are people who are just spending all their time devising new and elaborate schemes to exploit this crisis. And uh, unfortunately, the, the bad guys are, are too often one step ahead of the good guys. Do you think it has always been like that, Cotty? And in every generation and every time, there have always been that same element of, of the bad guys. I don't know. I kind of feel like it's so much worse now because of electronic media, because of social media, because of the ability to hack everything. We didn't have that before. I mean, sure, there was plenty of crime and illegal activity always, but I don't know. It's just a gut feeling that it's just so much worse and so harder to to find and to prosecute. Do you mind my asking you where you stand on all of that? Well, I think certainly, uh, certainly, cyber crimes have opened up a whole new, a whole new field and a whole new terrain, and um, it's uh, lessons that that have not been learned before and are, are getting learned in a very hard way. Indeed, let's talk about the, all the people that are in need. What do you know as an assembly person, as a government official, how bad really is it? You know, we hear all the, the, the stories and, and we see the bits and pieces, the, the docu, the mini documents on the news of, you know, different uh, segments of society are being hit harder than others. And how bad is it? Tell me how bad is it in your professional political opinion? And will we recover from this soon or is it going to take a couple of years or more to come around? This has been a phenomenal economic shock, and I think unlike anything, the reality is this is unlike anything that the world has ever seen. Um, we, we know that this pandemic has devastated workers and small businesses and and communities um, all across all across the state. We know that there are so many people that are hurting right now. The good news is that the the vaccine really is a light at the end of this very dark tunnel. And in my view, it is the number one thing that we can do for California's economic recovery is to get that vaccine distributed as quickly as possible so that we can reopen our schools, we can reopen our businesses, and we can start to rebuild our communities. So how do we respond to the fact that the supply chain seems to be faltering, that they aren't getting the dosages in major urban areas, especially Los Angeles, that they need? Uh, in L.A., for example, they had to shut down a few days because they ran out. I believe that Pfizer and Moderna and AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson were manufacturing multi-tens of millions of dosage. Where are they? Again, the good news is that we are we have seen, I think, a, a corner turn with respect to vaccine supply. There, there are still critical shortages, but just in the last week, California's allocation has doubled. So we were receiving something like 500,000 shots a week. You know, population of 40 million takes a long time to make a big dent. True. We are now we are now receiving 1 million going to be receiving 1 million doses per week and that that is going to go up. And for the first time ever under the Biden Harris administration, we're actually receiving forecasts of supply so that California and all of the other states and all of our local government partners can actually start to plan and start to ramp up our, our delivery. So um, it had, I think the early stages of the, the vaccine distribution has been plagued by, by chaos and confusion and, and things don't seem to be happening quickly enough. Um, but the good news is that vaccine distribution really has improved markedly in recent weeks. And you know, more than 5 million Californians have been vaccinated so far, which is, is more than, than the population of most states. And we are on a path to get everyone vaccinated here in Orange County and in all across the state of California by the summer. 
What uh, do you, you may have, have heard that Orange County has has, uh, has set a goal that we will uh, achieve community immunity so that, that we'll have a critical mass of, of Orange County residents vaccinated by July 4th. And uh, it's operation independent. So we're looking forward to having a lot, a lot to celebrate. Indeed. And we all hope that it has happened, that it happens in that fashion without any hiccups. We're almost out of time. Quickly respond to how do you deal with the deniers? What do you say to those that are still afraid or still deny the value of the vaccine? This vaccine is one of the safest and most effective vaccines that have ever been developed in the history, in the history of modern medicine. And it is, it's a miracle. It, as, as I said, it's a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, once we're able to get our popul- get our, our community vaccinated, we are going to be able to start the, the hard work of rebuilding. And um, so I, I, but one thing I've been grateful about is that here in Orange County, vaccine hesitancy has actually been less than we had initially initially feared. Um, and so I, I feel like we are in a good position to ensure that the, the vast majority of, of Orange County residents want a vaccine and and are eager to be able to get to put this pandemic behind us and uh, get back to get back to life as normal. And that's our time tonight. Representative Cotty Petri Norris, I'm most grateful for your time and your wisdom tonight. Tell your husband I'm sorry that I stole you away on Valentine's at dinner time, but it's a great public service. So we wish you well, the very thank best. Thank you, Bruce. And will you come back thank again? Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yeah, good. Always good to talk to you. All right. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook. This is the conversation that was Assemblywoman Cotty Petri Norris, District 74, California. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're switching gears, ladies and gentlemen. My guest for the second half hour is a young woman who has been abroad, and she's going to tell us what it's like in London, in Dubai, in Mexico, in Japan. So don't go away. AMA 30 KLAA. Pick up Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue is ranked in the top 1% in the nation by U.S. News and World Report. It provides world-class care through multidisciplinary expert teams, each focusing on specific disorders of the brain and spine, such as stroke, aneurysms, brain tumors, Parkinson's disease, cognitive disorders including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, back pain, as well as spinal cord issues, addiction medicine, and sleep disorders. Our renowned experts offer the best evidence-based care, state-of-the-art technology, and the latest clinical research, all focused on the individual patient. Our stroke program was the first in Orange County named as a certified comprehensive stroke center, and our brain tumor program is the largest in Orange County and among the top volume programs in the Western United States. Hiccup Family Neurosciences Institute. Compassionate care, clinical excellence, creative intelligence. To learn more, call 949-516-9075 or visit hogue.org forward slash neuroinstitute. If the woman you love, your mom, wife, daughter, sister, partner, or friend is on a downward spiral from substance abuse and doesn't know where to turn, New Directions for Women can help. It's a Costa Mesa-based addiction treatment facility that has the answer. Since 1977, New Directions for Women has helped more than 5,000 women change their lives, returning them to sobriety, healthy living, restoring love and hope, and providing dignity for them and for their families. Don't waste another day. The woman you love needs your help now. Call New Directions. The number is 888-786-0509. Once again, call 888-786-0509 or visit them at www.newdirectionsforwomen.org. That's New Directions for Women. They know recovery. Saving money can seem daunting. So most of the time we don't think about it. 
And since we don't want to think about saving, we don't save. But now, with an Easy Start certificate from Navy Federal Credit Union, you can keep not thinking about saving while actually saving. With recurring transfers, you automatically save money each month without ever thinking about it. It's an easy start to saving. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Open to the armed forces, the DOD, veterans, and their families. Insured by NCUA. Liberty. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company customizes your renter's insurance, so you only pay for what you need. Great. As a minimalist, I need simple insurance. Nice place. No furniture? Nothing sparked joy, except for this fruit bowl. Well, with Liberty Mutual, you only pay for what you need, so there's that. I mean, look, so beautiful, so empty again. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Ducks Radio, AMA 30. Hey, LAA. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bruce Cook. This is The Conversation live tonight on Angels Radio, AMA 30, KLAA. My next guest in this half hour together in The Conversation is a young woman named Jenna Chatelon, and she is a very, very attractive young girl who has graduated college and left the United States in search of her career path and her life abroad. And since graduating, I believe it's Boulder University, and Jenna, you can correct me if I'm wrong when I bring you on the show, she has lived in Japan, she's lived in London, she's lived in Dubai, she's been in Mexico, perhaps other places, all during this COVID year. And we're going to find out what it's like in those other countries, because you know what? We don't really get a lot of information. We hear something about, we hear a little bit about London in recent times, and now we're hearing about South Africa, but we don't hear a lot about how serious it is in other places. Jenna, are you there? I am here. Hi, Bruce. How you doing, kiddo? <laughs> good, good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. I had my second vaccine this afternoon, and everybody's oh. telling me that I'm going to get very dizzy and woozy and and fall over, but I'm feeling okay. Well, good. I've heard the same thing, so lay low. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, talk to me about your journey. Why Why have you been all over the world? We'll start with that. What is your path? Uh, well, I was living in London when this whole pandemic started, and like everyone else, I didn't think it was going to be any big deal. I was really stubborn and kept staying there, even though things were getting worse. And then once it was very clear that this was not just a little uh, a little quick thing, um, that it was really serious, I did come home. I remember it was when Trump issued a statement warning all American nationals to come home immediately or risk being stuck where they were abroad indefinitely. And I had so many texts from friends and family members saying, come home, this is getting scary. And so I, I booked a flight. It was back about 72 hours later. And then that was right around the time when the California stay-at-home order was issued. And then, you know, I just, I'm a natural-born traveler. I never like staying in one place for too long, and so I was going a bit stir-crazy. And I just started doing my research and found out that there were a lot of countries that were open for Americans. So I've definitely lost a lot of money in canceled flights over the past year, Um but I have gone on a lot of really great trips that have ended up working out during the times when borders were open. So during this right. year, I've... Let me stop you. Yeah. Let me, let's me let start with mm -hmm. your experience in London. You were there when it was first starting. You said at first people didn't take it seriously. When did they start to take it seriously when you were there? And how did they take it seriously? What was different there than here? Uh, I think overall, what's really different, people started to take it seriously when the Prime Minister Boris Johnson gave the, it's funny, we call it the stay-at-home order, they call it the lockdown. And so once Boris issued the lockdown, that's when everyone really stopped going anywhere. Um, and it just, the city just became such a dead zone. It was really creepy. And one big thing I've noticed from being there and here, it's so so much stricter over there and most of my close friends live in the UK and you know it's it's really really bad you know my friend in Scotland it, it's it's terrible over there I'm sure you know and um it's you know nothing's open at all total takeout only and my friend in Amsterdam always talks about how strict the laws are 
over there, he's not allowed to leave his house at certain times. He leaves really early in the morning for work and has to walk around with a a form stating that, you know, he, he has to be out of the house for his job and there's a curfew. And it's it's just crazy. And people complain about it here. Like, oh, we can't go, you know, eat at our eat at our restaurant. But, I mean, they can't even, they can't do anything okay, over well, there. Okay, so. well, you're, you're making a really strong point that I don't think Americans are fully aware of, of how strict it is and how the lockdown is truly a lockdown. But here's the kicker question. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the citizens of the UK and Amster- and Belgium and Scotland that you've just used as an example, they obey. Mm-hmm. They obey oh, the yeah. lockdown. <laughs> Americans don't obey. Mostly don't. Most of us say we're going to do what we're going to do, and it's it's our choice. That is yeah. a huge difference. What do you think about that? Yeah, no, it's so interesting. I mean, it's so funny. I, you know, I talk to my friends almost every day over there, and it's so interesting the things they say. I remember it was really sad around Christmas time. My friends were so upset because a lot of them couldn't go see their families. A lot of them have family, you know, one hour, two hours away, and they couldn't even drive there because, God forbid, they got stopped. You know, it's illegal, right, at the time to even leave your county. And so no one wanted to risk it. I mean, trains weren't running. And so people were so upset because they're literally trapped. And I was telling them, you know, guys, not to rub it in, but you literally couldn't do that in the U.S. There is no way that that could ever be enforced. I mean, there would be riots. You know, imagine if he was, you know, on the 405, people just stopped cars from going, you know. So, um, yeah, and people do obey. And I think mainly it's a, it's a cultural mentality. I think Americans in general are more... Uh, focused on their independent rights and, than than other people, and and I think it's just a difference in the political system that we have. What they have, people. So people as a, a lot more. as a very young adult, what do you think about that? What do you think is better? Do you think it's better to be in a society that is really o- obedient and concerned about their fellow person, and they would not? disobey their government's order about jeopardizing themselves or their grandmother or their neighbor or here where people have been rather selfish about the whole thing obviously not all and certainly Mm -hmm. today we're we're more mask wearers and more obedient than we were but what do you think about that what's a better place to live Gosh, it's that's a really tough one. That's it's the hardest question I've ever asked on radio. I got to tell you, that's yeah. the hardest question. So you better come up uh, with a good answer. Oh, no pressure there, but uh, no, you know, I, I personally think I would rather live in our society. I think at the end of the day, I, I really do believe in human individual rights. I would never want and want to live in a in a more socialist type uh, place, uh, but. I just there are benefits to both. There really are, but I I just think at the end of the day, I think um, I don't. Know, I think that if they were to keep doing this, and I, I've had my friends say this, but you know, they've said if this keeps going another six months, as strict as the lockdown is, I mean, people are going to start to revolt. So I think that in the grand scheme of things, our society, our the way we run things is better because I think um, I, I, it's more sustainable, you know, and, and we're keeping under control for the most part. Yeah. What about the economic, <laughs> what about the economic impact there? We've obviously been hurt really badly and a lot of Americans are in real trouble economically, economically. But what about in London when, when, or the UK in general, when they really are obedient about not going out and not going to the yeah. pubs and the bars and the shops how bad is it there, monetarily wise? Do you have a sense of that? Not too much. That's not my area of expertise. I'll be honest, but I do know, especially in places like the Netherlands, they're they're very well taken care of, um, much more so than here. So I think um, that you know that's well, that's, that's a, a factor because benefit. in a more socialist yeah. government where things like health yeah. insurance and whatnot are covered, it's less of a it's less of a disaster, I suppose. Yeah, but their taxes are insane. So you know, it's uh, so take your take, your take your take your pick. Take your pick your poison. 
I did read. I did recently read, or no, I didn't read it. I heard it on the Tennis Channel this week, uh, with the Australian Open being played. That, and I could get this wrong, but I hope I'm not getting it wrong. In Melbourne, Australia, in the past year, only eight, mm -hmm. only eight people have died from COVID. Wow. Well, you know, I totally believe that because their borders are completely shut. I mean, it's like it's this Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. No one's allowed in. No one's allowed out. So, and they are being crazy, crazy strict. I mean, my Australian friends are going mental. So I, that doesn't surprise me at all. That's pretty I remarkable. Only eight people, unfortunately, killed by this horrible virus. Yeah. I guess it shows that a strict lockdown... And closed borders does make a difference. And also obedience. It does, yeah. Also the obedience of the population. Yeah. Yeah, gonna, absolutely. I mean, I just I just hate this up and down, you know, half open, half closed. Yeah, One week it's, it's like horrible, this. Horrible, horrible. Let's just fix it and be done with it. I just, this yo-yo thing is, is just, I think, what's really driving everyone insane. Yeah, I, I think you're you're preaching to the entire chorus of, yeah. of everybody that is... Not just listening to the radio tonight, but everybody everywhere would say the same thing. We mm -hmm. need to take our our break, our 45-minute break. But when we come back, I want to hear more about the other places and the other mm -hmm. things that are happening in the other countries. And we got a lot more to talk about. You're a great guest, Jenna, and thank you for being on tonight. Oh. Please stay well, with thanks. us. And ladies and gentlemen listening, don't touch your dial because Jenna's got a lot to share. We'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back. Ducks Radio, AM 830. KLAA. As part of the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, Hoag's Neurospine program offers innovative methods to reduce pain, inflammation, and improve mobility safely and effectively, often without surgery. Should you need surgery, Hoag is a leader with minimally invasive techniques, 3D imaging, and robotics to restore your golf swing or your swing dance. Many of our patients go home in just a few hours, walking the very next day. Call our dedicated nurse navigator at 949-537-2931 for an evaluation or visit hoag.org forward slash spine I like a bed that's really firm. I need something a little softer than that. Rest easy. With the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, you can both adjust your comfort with your Sleep Number setting. Can it really help me fall asleep faster? Yes, by gently warming your feet. Okay, but can it help keep us asleep? It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you effortlessly comfortable. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Don't miss our President's Day weekend special. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing and free premium delivery when you add a base. Ends Monday. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Dan owed an unbelievable amount of money to the IRS. I got behind on my taxes. It's a horrible feeling. He was in denial. And when I got those letters from the IRS, you wanted to act like they didn't exist. Finally, Dan turned to Optima Tax Relief, the leading tax resolution firm. A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau, they've resolved over $1 billion for their clients. Optima got me a settlement with the IRS. These people are really people-friendly. It was every bit of a new lease on life for me. The fast action and the great results made Dan's head spin. I felt like I was in a dream, but it's real, and I have paperwork to prove it. They got the job done, and life is good. For tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. If you're worried about what's going to happen with the IRS, stop worrying. Make the call now. Call 800-375-2922. 800-375-2922. Optima Tax Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Beach combing, baking cookies, learning French. Aren't these what you'd rather be doing than thinking about your Medicare prescriptions? Well, Walgreens is here to help you get back to it with convenient refill and pickup options, expert pharmacists to answer all your questions, and Medicare copays as low as zero dollars. Zero. Which is also the number of cares in the world you'll have as you stroll the beach eating cookies and speaking French. Oh la la. Walgreens. Zero dollar copays apply to tier one generic drugs and select plans where Walgreens is a preferred pharmacy. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on, even from far away. And the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger. 
offering supplies and solutions for every industry. With 24-7 support and experienced staff at over 250 local branches. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ducks Radio, AM 830. I just want to keep listening to the music, ladies and gentlemen. It's Bruce Cook. It's the conversation live tonight on Angels and Ducks Radio, AM 830. Our guest, Jenna Chatelon, international traveler, talking about COVID in places far away. And I'm learning a lot, Jenna. You're really giving me some information here. Let's talk about airline travel. You have been flying at times when people are not flying. What's it like? Oh, I'm going to be totally honest. It's grand. I mean, who doesn't love stretching their legs on a plane? And it's definitely a little bit cheaper, not much, but... No, it's nice. I think the only drawback is you don't, a lot of the airlines aren't giving actual meals right now. It's just wraps and plastic or snacks. And uh, my last flight, there was no alcohol. That was kind of a bummer as well. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's overall quite nice. No lines. What? Really? Uh, what about the airports? Are people afraid? Are people yeah, I anxious? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, obviously, you've got to wear a mask the whole time. I mean, I flew to the Middle East, and it was 14 hours in a mask, and I don't know how people do that at work. Really? Uh, but I, I guess you just get used to it. But, no, I mean, I, it's a lot of a lot of great things about it, a lot of drawbacks. But I think the best thing is just the, the ease of it right now because hardly anyone is traveling, so everything's so quick and easy. What about the, the uh, cabin staff? What do they share with you about the experience of COVID air travel? Oh, it was interesting. My last flight, I remember the flight attendant was saying, obviously there's a whole new layer to travel these days. And on top of all the other things they have to deal with, you know, serving people, keeping everyone safe, they're having to enforce, you know, mask wearing and, and everyone following proper COVID protocols and it's kind of like, you know, if you smoke a cigarette on an airplane, you'll get in huge trouble. I, I, I heard of a, a man recently that just refused to wear a mask on the flight, and I'm pretty sure he got blacklisted from this airline. And so that's something that the flight attendants were telling me that they've had to deal with as well. We've seen, those, we've seen those stories on the news where someone is belligerent uh, and refuses to obey. Have you actually seen that on any of your flights, or you've just heard about it also? No, just heard about it. Funny. The only time I've ever really witnessed that is a few months ago at AAA, actually here in Costa Mesa, just this, this woman refused to put on a mask and they wouldn't let her inside. And there was a whole debacle about that. So uh, that's the only time. Interesting. You just said you flew to the Middle East. When was that? Where did you go? Why were you there? And what was the COVID <laughs> like there? Where did you go? Yeah, so this was early October, which you probably remember there was kind of a lull in COVID, I think, worldwide. It was when things were kind of easing up here and there as well, but still still very much an issue. But I flew LAX to Dubai, and then I flew from Dubai to Cairo, sometime in Egypt, and then Egypt to Turkey, and then back here. It was just a, just over a two-week trip. And, uh, you know what, it was so interesting. My friend and I, who I'd met, we were just fascinated the whole time with kind of how it all was. Because in the UAE and Dubai and Abu Dhabi, I mean, if you are not inside in your own house, you are in a mask. It is completely against the rules to not be wearing a mask. Even just walking outside of the street doesn't, doesn't matter how many people are around. And it is very much enforced. I mean, there were a couple of times we were walking around by this marina and once my mask slipped below my nose and I had an officer tell me to pull it up and there's huge fines if you don't um I don't I don't remember how much exactly but enough to uh, tamper your trip a bit so uh there it was it was definitely strict um things were still open which was interesting but you know a lot of kind of outdoor dining things like that I mean if anything, I hate to say that it made our trip to Dubai a lot better because there were hardly any crowds anywhere. It was so easy to 
make reservation places. We went to an amusement park one day and literally walked on all the rides when normally lines would be an hour long. We went to the UAE's largest mosque, which was gorgeous and incredible. And my friend's jaw was on the floor the whole time because we were literally the only ones there. It was so peaceful and nice. We just walked through and she told me that she was there a few years prior and she said, oh my gosh, Jenna, you could barely move. There were so many people. It was so annoying and we have a place to ourselves, you know, so things like that. Like we just had so many experiences that you would never get that, that we'll never get again. Hopefully that we'll never get again, honestly. But then when we flew into Egypt, it was so funny. The first thing our Airbnb host said was, you guys have been having to deal with COVID a lot recently and all that, you know, the mass and blah, blah. And he said, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? And she said, get ready for five days of, of it not existing because it's not really a thing here. And sure enough, I mean, no mask wearing, no social distancing. It's it's truly as if it didn't exist over there. And apparently that was because they had an incredibly strict lockdown for a few months, closed the borders, closed everything, and they just kind of got over it. So, Interesting. And they did require a COVID test. We had to get a COVID test right before we flew there. You know, it's so interesting because obviously, you know, here in California, people are kind of up in arms in different locations because from town to town, community to community, the whole COVID thing is different. It's not uniform. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. terrible in Los Angeles. And uh, in parts of Orange County, it's barely existent. So it's interesting that internationally, you're telling the same story. How could Egypt, which is right there, right next to the Arab countries, people walking around with no problem at all, and in in uh, the United Arab Republics, you better have a mask on. Really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, very much so, so yeah. how much fun did you have in Cairo without protocol? <laughs> oh, it was so fun. We were so happy to go to a nightclub and dance. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we were just, we're like, oh, I missed this. It, it was a blast. It was, we stayed out so much longer than we would have just because it was so nice to be able to to do something like that. What and kind of tourists were there? Totally what were the What were the other tourists? Were they none, none at all? Oh, uh, hardly any. Yeah. Oh. We, well, that was the other cool thing. You know, it's like hopefully, again, now is the only time when you can stand in front of the Egyptian pyramids and have no one else in the background of your pictures. You know, which is what we have. And um, you know, I, I still hate to say it because obviously I'm not advising a bunch of international travel right now, but being completely transparent, it's, it's a great time to go places. You know, it's cheaper and less crowded and annoying. So. You know, if American Airlines is listening, you're going to get a commercial job out of this. Well. You're going to get hired. You're going to get hired to promote uh, international travel on American Airlines. Oh, uh, if they didn't love my job so much, I'd go for it. Yeah, well, we'll see. Anyway, one last question as we're almost out of yeah. time. I heard today that Mexico, which has had a COVID problem, is loosening the reins, that the, the disease is down a lot in Mexico. You've also traveled in Mexico. What about it? Yeah. Yeah, I was there in late October, uh, fairly recently. And that's really interesting. I mean, I feel like Mexico is quite possibly the most lenient place with this all. I don't, I, I, don't quote me on this, but I don't think Mexico ever closed its borders to anyone. And I've heard of a ton of American people going to Mexico, you know, Cabo, the whole. Yeah, whole they do. They are. Thing. They definitely yeah, are. They do. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, um, that does surprise me. I have to question the accuracy of the reporting with all of that. I'm not 100% sure, but I know that um, it's definitely pretty relaxed over there. I mean, we were going out to bars and whatnot there, and it, it, we kind of joked around because they're masks, and I wish I, you could see my air quotes right now, but they're, it's these little I've only ever seen this in Mexico. It's this little kind of chin strap they wear with like a little two-inch screen that just kind of barely covers their mouth. It flips up. I mean... It, it, there's no way it protects at all, at all. Okay. But I guess that's what they consider a mask. But, um, yeah, I mean, we kept joking. We'd go to dinners, and the waiters would get kind of close and, and put the food down or whatever, and we'd be like, oh, well, at least they've got their masks on, you know, but it's just, they're, they're not. Just, I don't know. So that's very interesting. We, Jenna, we, only, we only have a minute left. 
I want to ask you, what are your current plans? Are you staying in California for a while? What's happening? And and then when things open up again, where are you off to? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was really hoping to go to South Africa this year in 2021. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think you better postpone that. I know, I know. But no, I am definitely set foot for a while. And good, I'm happy good. Glad, glad to have you. Anyway, we are out of time. Thank you so much for sharing your international opinions and travel uh, tips with us tonight. It's been a big help. I wish you of good course. health. Thanks for having me. Stay well, stay <laughs> safe, and uh, thanks for coming on. You too. Thank you, Bruce. Have a good eve. <laughs> yeah, happy <laughs> Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's. And to same the same to all the AM eight thirty listeners out there from LA to the Inland Empire to Orange County. Happy Valentine's to all of you. Stay safe, everybody. Keep keep up the good thoughts and the good faith. And as I always end the show, good health, good luck. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear the Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public.